0: Thanks for checking out the City Church podcast. We are so honored to have you join us, and we hope this message speaks to you in a powerful way. Learn more about City Church by visiting us online at ourcitychurch.org. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. You guys look good today. Welcome to City Church. If you're new, my name is Justin. I'm the lead pastor here. God bless you. Thanks for being with us today. I always like to take a moment to welcome all of our locations. City Church is one church in five locations, nine services every Sunday. Can we say hello to the rest of our church family that's joining us via live stream? Good morning. We love you. Welcome to City Church. Please make sure you meet some of the leaders at your location. And happy Father's Day to all of our fathers. Happy Father's Day. Yeah, we can put our hands together and just thank God for our fathers. If you have a Bible, we're going to start with a story in 2 Samuel chapter 9 today. This is the Old Testament, and uh, this is one of uh, the more unfamiliar stories in the Bible. It's right in the middle of the life of David. And so we're going to be looking at one instance in his life, something that happens in David's life. You've probably heard of David and Goliath. So, one instance in his life when he's already king of Israel, okay, and kind of uh, maybe a story you've never heard before about David. And a young man with a strange name. So here we go. And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show kindness, the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Macher, the son of Amiel at Lobedar. Then David sent, him, sent and brought him from the house of Macher, the son of Amiel, at Lobedar. And Mephibosheth, everybody say Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I'll restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. You shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's grandson. And you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons like one of the king's sons. If you want to jot some notes down today, I want to talk to you on the subject of a good father here on Father's Day at church. A good father. Would you pray with me at all of our locations? God in heaven, thank you for the privilege of gathering with your people. I love this church. I love being here, God, and being amongst your people. I know that we all come in with different stories and different circumstances. God, I ask for a miracle today. I pray that the words that are said would speak straight to the heart of every single individual. I'm open. I want to hear from you. And I ask in Jesus' name, let's all do this. I ask that you change me and that you draw me closer to God today in Jesus' mighty name amen 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 all right let's just practice being happy turn to a person next to you and smile at them come on we're in new england we're gonna break through smile smile you know one of the greatest privileges of my life is being a dad i have three sons my oldest is 11 my middle son is nine my youngest is four they're all here today my incredible wife that puts up with the chaos of our home and uh and so i just love being a dad i love doing things with my kids there is a special bond between a father and his child. And there's nothing quite like it on earth. Uh, this past weekend, I took my oldest son camping, and we went camping like primitive. You know that it's serious that when you get there and the sign says primitive wilderness camping, you know you're not in the city anymore. You know, it's was like, whoa, this is crazy. Uh, we were in the Bronx. No, I'm just kidding. We weren't in the, no. Uh, but that can be kind of like primitive wilderness camping too. But no, it was, uh, it was incredible. It was, it was a great time. But there are certain things, you know, that your kids do that like they unlock your heart and dads know what i'm talking about moms know what i'm talking about something that your kid does that it just they're they're the only one in the world that could do that and get that type of feeling from you you know what i mean I remember years ago when my second son, Noah, was just learning to write and read. He said, Dad, I want to write a note or a prayer to God that you can have from me, that that I pray for our family. I said, oh, that's awesome, buddy. Write me a note. So I kept it all these years. Now, this was years ago, but, uh, but I kept it. I wanted to share it with you. Go ahead and throw it up there. I'm going to try to read it. It's going to be on the screen. It says this. It says, God, this is my little boy, Noah. God is Wathos. He is Wathos. Go ahead, turn to the person next to you say, God is Wathos. He is Wathos. He saved us from Eor Saz. Thank God that he saved us from Saz, right? Saved us from our sins. This next word is probably the more challenging word. Holy God. Holy God. We loved yo God. Thank you, God fur, fur, like an animal, fur, savon, us, God, he spells like his daddy, if you've ever seen me spell, this is about where I'm at, actually, um, in real life, and all the staff is like, amen, it's true, we love yo, or AR, love Noah, I love that, I mean, come on, you can't beat that, I mean, it's like, oh, it still gets me right here every time. You know, uh, some of us, you think about Father's Day, and, uh, and it's a joyous occasion because you love your dad. Maybe you get to see your dad for lunch or for dinner or something today, and, you know, it's a great time, and, and you have a great relationship with your father, and that's wonderful. But for others of us, you know, Father's Day can be a bit of a challenging time. You know, maybe, uh, maybe your dad's passed away, and you don't get to see him today. Or maybe your relationship with your dad's never really been that tight. And so there's kind of this line between you and dad or, or maybe you've really, you know, the relationship's fallen apart and you don't even see him or you might be a dad here today and you're not going to see your kids because of strains in your, in your relationship. And they, you know, there's not a unity there. Um, I heard a story, uh, recently about a greeting card company that decided to give free Greeting cards, free cards on Mother's Day to inmates in a particular prison. Interesting little story. And so they uh, they gave out all these cards to the inmates on Mother's Day and said, "Hey, send your mom a card for free. We'll mail it for you." And so the inmates loved it. They all filled out Mother's Day cards. They sent them to their moms. It was a big hit. And then uh, and then they got you know so successful, they thought, "Wow, next month's Father's Day. Let's do this for Father's Day." Hey, uh, we'll, anybody that wants to send a greeting card to their dad on Father's Day, just go ahead and fill out the card, and uh, and we'll send it for you again for free, just like we did on Mother's Day. And this time, not as single inmate participated because sometimes in life fathers and children is a pretty complicated relationship right pretty complicated relationship a lot of times it comes with all sorts of different baggage Uh, years ago I remember hearing a song that spoke of the complexity of the relationship between a father and a child and also the power of that relationship I wanted to read the lyrics of this song to you today because uh, it says something, it, it stuck with me for a long time, and maybe uh, it'll speak to you as it has to me. The song starts with a son talking about his dad, and he says, "Daddy cut my hair. He didn't care for style. He'd just snip and snip and sweep it in a pile. I could not keep still. He would understand. Some things are just known between a boy and a man. And you know, I can identify with that because as a kid, I was a terror in the barber shop. I just could not stay still. It was like that. I, I was itchy, you know." And, Maybe you weren't like that, but I was. And they'd have to give me a lollipop or bribe me. Um, Some things are just known. Right there in the middle of our kitchen's cluttered floor, in the middle of the 50s, in between a couple wars, he'd get out his old scorched shirt and wrap it around my neck. He'd be so close to me, I'd smell the coffee on his breath. I don't know if you remember the scent of your dad, that, you know, your dad has a certain smell, a certain scent. Second verse says this, We had a falling out. I don't remember why but every time I think of it there's water in my eyes we said some awful things and he ordered me to leave for years my sister wrote about how hard my mother grieved my second tour of duty when the thrill was all but gone I started giving haircuts to my friends in Vietnam the wire came on Friday while I was cutting someone's hair and we buried mom on Wednesday dad was happy I was there He never did remarry. He traveled quite a bit. As a father, still some distance, but as a grandpa, quite a hit. The stroke was unexpected, and there was so much to relearn. He gets around with just a cane, but his speech has not returned. So now I cut daddy's hair, and he doesn't care for style. I snip and snip the memories, and I sweep them in a pile. I don't say a word he smiles when I'm done, because some things are just known between a father and his son. Right there in the middle of our kitchen's cluttered floor, in my middle 40s, I can feel the ache once more. For all the years our anger has kept us far apart, thank God that there's forgiveness to mend a broken heart. The ache, you know, that last verse talks about the ache. And if you would just be still for a moment at all of our locations and open up your heart for the next couple minutes as we explore this idea of a father here on Father's Day, I think that you would become sensitive on the inside, whether you're 42 in the middle of your success or 19 and just starting your career or 63 and thinking about retiring, whether you've had a great relationship with your dad your whole life or maybe you lost him while you were young. No matter what your circumstances or scenario, I think if you just open your heart, you would sense that ache. That ache that says on the inside, I need my father. The relationship in the Bible between David and Saul is one of the most complex, nuanced, chaotic father son relationships in all of Scripture, but it's an honest relationship. And if you know the story, they're not biologically related, okay? Saul is a father figure. David. And so Saul is the first king of Israel. Let me unpack it for you if you're not familiar with the story. Saul is the first king of Israel and he is a successful and powerful king. And then one day he decides to disobey God's direct command. And the prophet Samuel tells him that he is going to, God is going to remove Saul's kingdom from him. And in secret, this prophet Samuel goes and anoints a new young king named David. Now David at that point is just a shepherd boy, but he rises to prominence and becomes the right Right hand man in Saul's kingdom. And David becomes best friends with Saul's son, whose name was Jonathan, okay? And so David and Jonathan, David and Jonathan, they're this like tag team, they're best of friends. And for years, this goes on until Saul becomes very jealous of David and actually hatches a plot to kill David David discovers the plot escapes from Saul's you know uh, plan to kill him and hides out in the wilderness for years now while he's hiding out in the wilderness there is a war in Israel with the Philistines and both Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle and we're told that when Jonathan dies he's probably in his early 20s he leaves behind a five-year-old son and that five-year-old son's name is Mephibosheth okay I don't know what they were thinking but that was his name You know, you thought you had it bad. Mephibosheth. I can imagine what they said in school. And so, Mephibosheth is uh, is is rushed out of the palace after news gets to the palace that both jonathan and saul died now in that day typically if a new regime was going to come in and and you know rule the kingdom they would wipe out all the heirs to the throne all of the relatives of the king and so the nanny was terrified that they were going to kill mephibosheth so she picks him up and she jets out of the out of the uh the palace and somewhere along the line the boy trips or she falls and he breaks both of his legs in a rush they don't have time to reset the legs or do anything and so he goes out into hiding with two broken legs and we're told that for the rest of his life he's crippled okay years now go by David by second Samuel chapter 9 has become king of Israel and Mephibosheth is probably in his early 20s at this point and David sends out a delegate to go find this guy ziba not zebra but ziba finds to go find mephibosheth and he does find him okay he brings him back to the palace so now you got to imagine this here's crippled mephibosheth the son of jonathan standing before david the king he's been king for a while now he's sitting on his throne mephibosheth is brought in and it's in this interaction that david does something completely out of the ordinary and unexpected okay And it's through this interaction that God gives you and I a model for what a good father looks like. So go ahead and turn to the person next to you and say, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. God's going to give us a model for a good father. There wasn't a whole lot of participation in that last pay attention. And I just want to say that it's critical that you do. So um, even if your neighbor didn't have the courage to tell you, you still should. Verse six, here we go, verse six. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth, right? I lost my spot. And he answered, behold, I'm your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. Do not fear. Now, think about Mephibosheth's situation. You've been in hiding your entire life from a man that you're convinced wants you dead, right? He now finds you, pulls you out of the hiding place you're in, brings you into his palace. What are you thinking in your mind? Boy, I bet he really wants to bless me, right? No, no, no. In your mind, you're thinking, this man is going to cut off my head. This man is going to kill me. Or maybe you're just thinking, I have no idea what this man is going to do he's powerful he's king he's on the throne that my father and grandfather would have my father would have sat on my grandfather did sit on what is he going to do see fear in your life grows when a person in your life is unpredictable I think if you just went back through the chronicles of your story you would find that at different times maybe in your family or maybe someone you lived with friends you've had were unpredictable emotionally unstable you know anybody like that emotionally unpredictable. If you're sitting next to them, do not elbow them now because you don't know what they'll do. All right. In response, dad jokes, it's, it's, it's Father's Day. All right. And, uh, I can remember when I was in college, I had a roommate named Petey. Petey, if you ever see this sermon, God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. Petey uh was a little emotionally unpredictable he was a little unstable and so me and the other guys in our dorm would joke about it we'd be like you know Petey's coming home and we're like is this going to be quiet Petey or angry Petey? you know like is this going to be sober Petey or drunk Petey? like we didn't know which one we were going to get is this going to be unreasonable Petey or is this going to be compassionate Petey? and uh, we weren't sure well saul was that kind of dad Saul was that kind of guy. When you read about King Saul in the Bible, one minute he's praying and seeking God. The next minute he's like, you know, playing with like Ouija boards and tarot cards and seeking spirits and, and, and Eastern mysticism. And then he's back to like, no, 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 only you, God. Only you, only you. And then he's back to this thing over here. And he's, he's always switching. One minute he's like, David, I love you. You're like a son to me. The next minute he's like, hey, how do we kill David? We got to get rid of this guy. The next minute, you know, he's so unstable, so inconsistent. Question for you today. What kind of house did you grow up in? Did your father create an atmosphere of stability in your home personally? Was that your experience? Was it the type of home where you're like, you know what? I know dad will come through. I know I can rely on him. I know that I might have consequences, but they're going to be consistent. It's not like, hey, you didn't make your bed and, you know, now you have to do an extra chore day one. And then, hey, you didn't make your bed and now um, you're grounded for six months day two. You know, it's like, ah, like which one is it? Inconsistent. In his consequences. No, no, dad created an atmosphere of peace, an atmosphere of stability. Men in the room, fathers in the room, would you and the people who live with you consider the home that you are in a place of stability? Are you generating an atmosphere of stability in your home? The interesting thing about this story is that Mephibosheth is convinced that David probably wants to hurt him But you and I both know that David is actually intending to bless him, right? Because he's modeling for us a good father. Jot this thought down. A good father creates stability. A good father creates stability here on Father's Day. We're going to get a picture of a good father. Creates stability. That's what David does for Mephibosheth but he goes on take a look at verse 7 do not fear I'll show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan and look at what he says next and I will restore everybody say restore I restore to you all the land your father Saul all the land of your Saul your father now when he says Saul your father he really means your grandfather it's two generations but what he's saying is I'm going to give you back all the land that Saul owned now pause Saul was the first king of Israel Probably the richest man of his era, okay? An incredibly wealthy man with a vast inheritance of land. And he tells Mephibosheth here, I'm not going to give you half the land, which would be incredibly generous. I am going to restore to you all the land of your grandfather, Saul. Now, since Mephibosheth fled the palace, we're told he'd been living in a land called Lobadar. all right? We know that names in the Bible mean things. And that word lobadar means a place with no bread or a place with no pasture, okay? And so he's living really in poverty and in hiding. And here's a man who was supposed to grow up to be the prince, right? And instead of being the prince, he's living with two broken legs that have never healed properly in the place of no bread. Now, I could imagine... That more than once in Mephibosheth's life, he would have rolled out of bed, pulled his legs out of bed, looked out at the land of no bread, and wondered, how did I get here? You know, how did I get passed over? How is it that I'm supposed to be the prince of this land, but instead I'm living like a criminal? And I wonder if when David looked at Mephibosheth, He saw a little bit of himself. Because David knew something about being the son who was passed over. David knew something about being the son who had been forgotten. Because if you know David's story, years earlier the prophet Samuel came to visit David's biological dad, right? David's biological dad was named Jesse, right? And so the prophet Samuel comes to meet with Jesse because he's going to appoint a new king. Jesse's got eight sons and what he does is he gathers seven of those sons and brings them before the prophet Samuel Look at what happens in first Samuel chapter 16. It says Jesse had seven of his sons passed before Samuel But Samuel said to him the Lord has not chosen these So he asked Jesse are these all the sons you have and Jesse goes. Oh crud my bad. I got one more There's still the youngest He's uh, he's out tending the sheep so you're telling me that the most important man in Israel comes for the most important mission in Israel to anoint a new king and dad doesn't invite Dave? I mean, I just guess I guess my dad doesn't think I'm king material, you know? I guess my dad just doesn't think I have what it takes. See, an unstable father can hurt a family and can mess up a kid's life. And some of us know what that's like to have an unstable father. But a different wound can be inflicted by a father when they are an unsupportive dad. An unsupportive dad. You know, they just, he never really believed in my dream. He never really believed that I could do it. He had a dream for me. He wanted me to do something, but he never really believed in my dream dream I don't know if you know anything about that about an unsupportive dad because here Mephibosheth stands before David and in a moment's time I mean think about this I have been hiding I have been living poor and broke and afraid and now literally boom Oprah showed up, I get a car, I get a house. I mean, like everything changes in a moment for this guy. Now you've got a vast inheritance that is all yours and servants beyond servants, fields beyond fields. In a moment's time, your dreams just came true. And David here models for us the attitude of a good father. A good father cultivates dreams, cultivates dreams. Dreams. Let me talk to the dads just for a moment. Are you cultivating the dreams of your sons? Are you cultivating the dreams of your daughters? Because so often we end up cultivating our dreams for them rather than cultivating God's dream for them. But God has a dream for them. And usually in the wisdom of God, it's not exactly like your dream for them. He's got a dream for them, and if you'll be humble enough... And consistent enough, he'll help you see it, he'll help them see it, and he'll use you as an agent to cultivate that dream. In Jesus' name. That's huge. So important. So important. So we see that a good father creates stability, and a good father cultivates dreams. But look back with me at verse 7, because David goes even a step further take a look it says david said to him do not fear this is application for your life i promise do not fear i will show you kindness for the sake of your father jonathan i'll restore to you all the land of saul your father take a look at the end of the verse and you shall eat at my table sometimes no that's not what it says right you shall eat at my table always now the table of the king was a sacred place." It was a place where the king's closest friends and the king's kids would come every single night and they would have time together and they would learn about each other's day and they would interact one with the other. And in this moment, David says to this kid Mephibosheth, I want you there always. In other words, hey, from now on Mephibosheth, you have access to me all the time. And from now on, I want to be a part of your life every single day. Now remember, Mephibosheth was five years old when he lost his dad, right? And the day that he was physically crippled in his legs was the same day that he was emotionally crippled in his heart where he lost his father. And so this kid, every time he looked at his legs, I'd imagine would remember that that was the day he lost his dad and that he's had to grow up his whole life not knowing his father and not having access to the world that his father would have given him access to. See, an unstable dad like Saul, they can tangle you up pretty good in life. And an unsupportive dad like David's dad, Jesse, they can hold you back in life. I'm talking to somebody today, but an absent dad. that can be crippling. That can be crippling. That can make it pretty difficult to run in life. Researchers tell us, not sure if you're aware, that in the United States of America, one out of every three kids is growing up with an absent dad. One out of every three kids right now in our world If you grew up with an absent father, then the statistics begin to stack against you. They tell us that those that grow up without a dad are four times more likely to grow up in poverty. That those that grow up without a dad, girls, are seven times more likely to get pregnant as a teenager. That if you grow up without a dad, you're more likely to suffer from abuse, get involved in crime, get tangled up in drug use, and end up in prison. Happy Father's Day, everybody. Right? Right? This is real. But those are just the outward effects. What about the inward effects of having an absent dad? What about the inward effects of anxiety, of fear, of always feeling like you need to prove yourself, of this insatiable thirst for affirmation? What about the inward effects of anger, the inability to stay, the inward effects? See... An absent father can take a lot of different forms. It doesn't always mean that he died when you were five, although it may mean that. It also could mean that he was put in prison. It also could mean that there was a divorce and he was no longer given regular access to your life. It also could mean that he was just too busy. Always at work, always playing golf, always out doing this or that, but never having time for you. An absent father. I wonder if anybody in the room knows about an absent father. But it's interesting because in this moment, David reverses Mephibosheth's fate. And he says, I know your dad's been gone, son. I know that you haven't known him since you were five. But from now on, you sit at my dinner table every night. I mean, what was that kid feeling? What was he feeling inside this crippled, scared young man when the king of Israel tells him that? See, a good father creates stability. A good father cultivates dreams. But a good father also makes his presence felt. Makes his presence felt. Come on, I'm talking to you today. I think the most amazing thing about this story, when you pull back and look at it, is that David, from what we can see, did not grow up with a good father, right? He grew up either with an unstable father figure or an unsupportive father figure or an absent father figure. He did not, according to what we can see in his life, grow up with a father who taught him this. So then the question becomes, where and how did David learn this so that he could be this for Mephibosheth? Why did he do this? What inspired him to think and act this way and model for you and I in this text what it means to be a good father? Well, if you want to find the answer to that, you got to do a little digging. And David actually reveals to us the answer for how he learned to be a good father in Psalm 27, a song that he writes. And this is what he says in Psalm 27. He says, hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. Take a look. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. You see that? My father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. God Has taken me into his family. God has taken me into his house in a very real way. Stay with me today because this is where we're going. In a very real way, David had been fathered by God. And I use that word as a verb, fathered, because it's something different than a father. To be fathered means that you've had that father figure in your life create for you a stability and what we see here is that David accesses a divine stability beyond circumstances beyond what any human being could provide he's discovered a divine stability the Lord has taken me in and not just a divine stability but a supernatural partner in his dreams that they're not just his dreams anymore but now God is cultivating the dreams in David's heart with David and not just that but a heavenly nearness he's been brought near to God in this intimate and close relationship just like he says to Mephibosheth you can sit at my table always David wrote famously in Psalm 23 you oh God prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies I've been sitting at God's table every day I have consistent relationship and access to God See, this story, church, you got to see it It's not included in Scripture Just so that we can have good advice for fathering Although this is good advice for fathering There's a different purpose for this text And you've got to see it this Father's Day If God's going to do the work in your heart That I know He longs to do This was not just put in the Bible So that you can learn about David's history Or have a good model for what it means to be a father This was put in the Bible As a picture As an allegory as a living historical example of God's heart towards you. See, in the story, God is the great king. And in the story, you are Mephibosheth. You got a funny name after all. Mephibosheth. See, and God's intentions towards you is Kindness. His intentions towards you is to restore your inheritance. That's God's intentions. But just like Mephibosheth... You misunderstand his intentions. And you frequently think he's out to get you. You frequently think he's out to stop you, hinder you, or harm you. And so you find yourself frequently running from God rather than running to God. But when you run from God, like Mephibosheth, you get tripped up and you end up breaking your legs. And you find yourself without him, stuck with broken legs and a broken heart in a land where there is no bread. That's the condition of my heart and yours without God. And yet, the king is so kind that he sends out a delegation to find you. And he does, in fact, find you. And the very first words you hear him say are your personal name. He calls you by name first. He calls you specifically and directly by name. And then he says to you the most important phrase you could ever hear God say. Just like David says to Mephibosheth, he says, Do not fear. I will show you kindness. And you're here today. Oh, come on, stay with me. You're here today, and God is speaking those words to you right now. you got to stop being afraid of those bills. you got to stop being afraid of that relationship. You've got to stop being afraid of that next step. you got to stop being afraid of the future. I will, I will, I will. He's trying to break through. I will show you kindness, because I'll father you. I'll create in you stability. I'll cultivate your dream. I'll give you a seat at my table. It's interesting, though, how Mephibosheth responds to David's blessing. Look at it, verse 8. He paid homage and said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? A dead dog. Now, in those days, he's not talking about a, a pretty, you know, golden doodle or whatever, labradoodle. He's not talking about some nice dog. That word dog in the text is a word used to describe a dog that would just ravage the city, run around, not a pet, but just a a, a nuisance. And he doesn't say, I'm not just a nuisance, I'm a stinking, rotting corpse of a nuisance. In other words, I think Mephibosheth is struggling to receive this kindness. He's struggling to accept the fact that this could possibly be true. And that's important. Because so are you. In your heart, you're struggling to receive this kindness from God. Struggling to receive the fact that this type of grace could be true. Why is it so difficult for you to receive God and let him father you? Let him father you. I believe it's because this idea we're talking about today on Father's Day, it touches your deepest need and your greatest fear. It touches your deepest need and your greatest fear. I read recently, writing by one author, Thomas Wolfe, he says this, he says, the deepest search in life, the thing that in one way or another was central to all living, was man's search to find a father. Not merely the father of his flesh, not merely the lost father of his youth, but the image of a strength and wisdom external to his needs, superior to his hunger, to which the belief and power of his own life could be united. You need a father. Remember that song? I feel the ache once more. But a lot of us in the room, you would say, you know what, Justin, I believe that God's my father. I believe he's my heavenly father. I pray our father in heaven, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, you know, I, I believe that. And I know a lot of us do believe that, but do you let God father you? Because that's different. See, mentally agreeing that God is your father is one thing, and that's a nice step. But letting God father you Means that you're inviting him in to create that stability in your life. That you're relying on him for that stability in life. Means that you're opening your soul to all your dreams and giving him access to them so that he may grow them with you. It means that you're regularly coming back to his table, regularly sitting with him and checking in and sharing life with him consistently and habitually dependent upon his table. Do you let God father you? And this is where we find come on church stay with me our greatest fear because if my deepest need is for a father my greatest fear is that God's not a good one because that person died and I don't understand that because that job didn't work out and I don't have an answer for that because I really trusted him that one time and it didn't come through the way I thought it would and you don't understand Justin I lost my dad You don't understand, Justin, circumstances didn't work out. And you're here telling me that God's such a good father, and maybe he's good to other people, but I'm just not inwardly convinced that he's good towards me. See, I would suggest to you today that every anxiety that you're battling with right now in your life, every fear that you're struggling with when you lay down on your pillow at night, every struggle of your soul is linked back to this great fear that maybe God isn't a good father Towards you. If you took time to write down the top three or four or five fears or struggles, anxieties or worries in your life right now, I bet we could draw direct lines to this truth and those fears. Is he a good father toward you? Some of us would say, well, I think he is, but I think he's just not involved. Well, he said he wants to be a present help. He wants his presence to be felt. That's what a good father does, so then he can't be a good father. Some of you say, well, I think he's a good father, but my life is still chaos. Well, a good father is supposed to create stability. See, is he a good father towards you? And many of us would say, well, I want him to be, but how do I know that he really is? Friend, I want to show you that this story actually tells us how you can know that. Because I don't know if you recognized it. It says it multiple times in the text. Did you recognize why it was that David was so adamant about blessing Mephibosheth? Did you pick up on that? Never in the text does he say, Mephibosheth, I want to bless you because you've been such a good guy. Mephibosheth, I want to bless you because you got such a catchy name, you know? Mephibosheth, I want to bless you because you've just been a real faithful servant in the kingdom, Mephibosheth. I'm going to bless you because you've been an overall A-plus person. No, no, no. In fact, he's very specific and direct about why David is so committed to blessing Mephibosheth. He says, I'm going to bless Mephibosheth for Jonathan's sake. Did you pick up on that? For Jonathan's sake. See, if you know the story, David had a covenant with Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father. He had a covenant with him, and he said that in the covenant, I will bless those from your seed. He made a commitment, and when Mephibosheth walked in the room, David saw the reflection of Jonathan in the eyes of Mephibosheth and he said for the sake of another for the sake of another I am adamantly committed to blessing you and you might hear that today and say what does that have to do with anything friend that is the secret of the gospel That God is the great king. And when you walk into his throne room with your crippled feet, broken heart, messed up past and hurting life, always been in hiding, he sees in you the reflection of another. He sees in you the reflection of Jesus, his son, the one that he's had covenant with from eternity. He looks into your eyes and he says, I see my son in you. You place your faith in the cross and in the resurrection. And because you did, I see my son through your eyes and I got a covenant it with that one and i'm going to bless you i'm going to honor you i'm going to give you his inheritance i'm going to give you his favor and i'm going to do it all for jesus sake not because you've been good enough not because of your merits but because of the merits of another it's yours the kingdom is yours this is why jesus could say it so adamantly in matthew 7 look at he says you parents he makes a comparison if your children ask for a loaf of bread, you give them a stone instead? Or if, you ask, if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? You've been misunderstanding his intentions all along, like Mephibosheth running from a God who's been seeking to bless you. You've been afraid to trust him with your future, afraid to trust him with your relationships, afraid to give him access to every corner. And he says to you today all along, I've been just looking to bless you. I've been looking to favor you. I've been looking to give you an inheritance that you should not receive, but one has earned for you through covenant long before you were ever here. But did you notice what Jesus said? He said, you got to ask him. And this is where we stumble. Jot this thought down. God meets your deepest needs, as you let him father you. Oh, come on, church. God meets your deepest needs, but you got to ask him. you got to let him father you. That means in your unstable environment, you got to go to him and say, Dad, I need some stability because this isn't working. Father, my dream is dead and gone, and I need you to breathe life into my purpose. God, you feel like you're really far away, but you told me I could come to your table always. So help me get there now. I need you to make your presence felt. I need you to cultivate my dreams. I need you to create stability in my life. Ask him, and he will. Today, right now. At all of our locations, would you stand your feet with me? Take the next minute or two just to close your eyes, would you? Because the Father of Spirits is here and He wants your attention. And if you would, just take a moment, bow your head, and close your eyes. Spirit of the Living God, would you come today? I want you to consider this. Did you grow up with an unstable dad? Did you grow up with a dad that never cultivated your dreams? <laughs> Did you grow up with a dad that was absent? Do you need to forgive your father right now? <laughs> you say, Justin, I do, but I don't know how. Well, you got to invite your heavenly father in. And he'll, he'll father you through that forgiveness. Would you do that right now? You can just tell him, Father in heaven, help me forgive my dad. Maybe you're here today and you are a dad and you need to ask for forgiveness from your sons or your daughters. Acknowledge your failures. Where do you need God to father you right now? Take the next 30, 40 seconds with your eyes closed to consider that question. Where do you need God to father you right now? The Spirit of the Living God is here. He's speaking to your heart. You know, some of us, He's going back 40 years. He's going back 30 years right now to when you were just a little girl. And he's putting his eyes on some things that you've been scared to talk about or think about. I just want to urge you right now, let him in. Just let him in. We're going to sing at all of our locations a a brand new song written here at the church that articulates this. And I believe that as we sing it, God the Father is going to release his power in the room. And so as we sing it today, I just want to encourage you to open up your heart and receive the revelation of a good Father. Let's pray. God in heaven, would you silence our fears today? Would you untangle our souls today? Would you go and speak to places that we've avoided? Would you go and heal wounds that we didn't even know were there? Would you work miracles, we pray, Father? Come and be what we need most. Come and silence our greatest fear. Oh God, would you father me today? City Church seeks to reach New England and beyond with the life-transforming message of Jesus. If you have been impacted by this message or the ministry of City Church, you can help us continue to reach others by giving today at ourcitychurch.org forward slash give. For more information on how to get involved, visit us online or on any social media platform at Our City Church. We always appreciate you taking the time to rate or review this message on iTunes. Thanks again for listening to the City Church Podcast.